It doesn't need to be said, and I said it this morning, and it doesn't need to be said again, but I'll say it again. We are living in strange times. Uh, if you have, if you, if you imagine if you had crawled out from under a rock this week and, and you'd been hiding under that rock for two years, first of all, you need a shower. Then you'd be asking a lot of questions about what's going on with the world, people wearing masks, all, uh, you know, uh, big protests, lots of, you know, if you, you jump on it, uh, you know, if not that long ago, Social media was a place where you could just say whatever for a bit of a laugh. Do you remember that? It wasn't that long ago. I used to just write whatever the heck, right? Just complete stream of consciousness nonsense, right? It's all still there. You can find it, right? But it's not a place you can do that anymore because you write like a funny joke, like my jokes. You write a funny joke like that and 80,000 people, you know, who all know more than you, right? And they post me things. I had someone post me something on Twitter, like a graph. And I had to, tw- I had to tweet back, like... I can't actually, I'm 45, I can't read the numbers on a graph on my phone, like this is not the right place to be showing people a graph, aren't we supposed to be just making jokes and stuff, anyhow, it's strange times, and COVID's part of it, but it was already, if you're old enough, it was already strange, things were breaking up, things are changing, social norms, social structures, you know, all that sort of stuff is changing in the world around us. And when things are changing, the natural human tendency is to lock in on what's bad about the change. And your brain's designed to do that to keep you safe, right? It's a survival mechanism. If, if something changes in this room, like imagine that door opens over there or if you're in your living room, the door opens and a lion comes rushing in, that'd be a pretty big change, right? Right, your brain's going to ask two questions in sequence. First thing, will it eat me? That's the first question your brain asks about any new change. Will it eat me? And the next question your brain asks is, can I eat it? Right, there are other questions about mating, but it's church. We're not going to talk about those ones, right? (laughs) So the first question that happens whenever there's a big change is, will it eat me? And for a lot of us, we've we've been locked into... This thing can, it could eat me. You know, we've got friends who've lost jobs. Or we've got, you know, the, the border restriction. I, I know people who, whose wedding plans have been disrupted, delayed, uh, you know, for, for sometimes for a long time. Because, you know, if you want to go home to another country other than New Zealand to get married, pretty, pretty tough stuff, right? It feels like it has felt like, or for some of us, right, it has felt like this is going to eat us or it's, it's consuming parts of us. I think it's now time to ask the second question. Can we eat this? And here's the thing about a big threat. Let's imagine our, let's imagine our Stone Age past, if you're an evolutionist Christian, uh, or you can imagine with me, uh, let's imagine our pre-Noahic flood past, if you're a literal, literalist reader of the first few chapters of the Bible. So there we are. We're not very advanced. We've got some sticks and stuff for digging, Right? And a lion comes into our gardening area, right? Here's the difference. The lion can eat me because the lion can kill me, but we can eat it because we can kill a lion. A lion can kill me, but we can kill the lion, right? And I think it really is time to connect together, to pull together, to think about the challenges, turn them into opportunities, and we do that by connection with each other. I was just chatting with someone today, and they're talk, talking about everything that's going on, and, and he said, really feels like it's time to start his own business, but, you know, not a great time for it. 
my straight away said, oh, you need to talk to this person. He's the best person I know to talk to about starting a new venture at a time of that. Why? Because one guy starting a business, who knows what could happen. But, hey, we get our heads together, get the advice. You get what I'm, you get what I'm saying? There's something, there's an opportunity that is emerging in the current chaos. Anyway, let's read the Bible before I give away all the key points from my sermon. Uh, in the book of Isaiah, we read this this morning, and wherever you're watching from, if you, if you didn't see this morning's one, they, these two go together because I prepared these messages for our young adults retreat, right? So shout out young adults. I was so pumped. I got invited to speak at a young people thing. I bought new clothes, and I was going to get a haircut. Didn't get a haircut, but uh, anyhow, anyhow, but I just, I just thought, so these two go together, right? So anyway, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 9. It says this, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord seated high on an elevated throne. The hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs, which are giant lizard-like creatures with wings, previously known as dragons, right? Seraphs stood over him. Each one had six wings. Two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And they used the remaining two to fly They called out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. His majestic splendor fills the entire earth. The sound of their voices shook the frames, shook the door frames. This is this picture of the sound of the angels singing, shaking reality, right? The door, these are the door frames of the temple of God in heaven, right? It's shaking reality. And I said, this is Isaiah, in his vision, he says, woe to me. In another translation, it says, oh, too bad for me. I'm destroyed, for my lips are contaminated by sin, and I live among people who have lips that are contaminated by sin. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. But then one of the seraphs flew down towards me. His, in his hand was a hot coal that he'd taken from the altar with the tongs. And he touched my mouth with it. He said, look, this coal has touched your lips. Your evil is removed, your sin is forgiven. I heard your voice, oh sorry, I heard the voice of the Lord say, who will I send? Who will go on our behalf? And I answered, here I am, send me, I'll go for you. Anyway, it's an old song. I love this scripture for so many, so many reasons. It's a powerful picture. It's this beautiful poetry describing this nature of reality that Isaiah gets drawn up into. This, this, this redemption moment as the angel flies down with the coal and, 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 and rather than Isaiah being excluded from this big plan of God, Isaiah gets brought into the big plan of God despite his limitation. And then Isaiah's in this, like this heavenly throne room where, where God is and these, these seraphs and other angelic beings He's in the throne room, and they're worshiping and all that, but they're also planning. Isn't that weird? Like it's not that God's not in the throne just receiving adulation. He's not in the throne room just receiving praise. God's not just in the throne room hearing our prayers and hearing our worship. God's in the throne room going, oh, man, okay, we got to, there's some stuff we need to get done, and we need someone to go for us. So there's, there's from here, so this place where God is to this place where humans are, there's a gap that there's a, there's a bit that we need to do here, right? So God's like, well, I've got this big plan of transformation for this world that I've created. 
And he's thinking, well, who do we send? You know, do we send one of these seraphs? You know, imagine if you had a seraph come and preach uh, uh, on the live, prefer on the live stream rather than, <laughs> you know, this giant six-winged dragon. Uh, no, you know, like God doesn't send a seraph. It's like Isaiah's like, right place, right time. They're asking, oh, who's going to go? Who's going to send? And then Isaiah says, well, I'm here. You could, you could send me. I'll go. He's in the right place at the right time. And I think being in the right place at the right time is, it might be, right, being in the right place at the right time might be the thing you do before anything else happens. Like until you're in the right place at the right time, almost nothing else happens. Right, if you're in the, in the right place at the wrong time and you ask her out, she'll say no. If, 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 if you're there and she's there and you ask her but you're still a jerk, right? You, like you're there but you're not there. It's not the right time. You've got work to do, right? The right place at the right time is the place to be. And we spend very little time here. I think we spend most of our time there and way too much of our time everywhere. There's three places you can be. You can be here, you can be there, or you can be everywhere. Some of you are sitting on your couch or sitting here in the front row. I'm talking and you're scrolling, right? You're everywhere, right? If you're everywhere, you're also, if you're everywhere, it's the same as being nowhere, right? Because you can't be there. The, the illusion of, you, of, be, of being everywhere is just that, an illusion, you're scrolling and you're in different countries of the world and different arguments and conversations and all that sort of stuff. That's an illusion. Your thoughts are scattered, but you're still here. This is where you're at and this is where your focus and attention should be, should be here. But you're not. You're everywhere or you're there, right? There's this scripture in Acts chapter 2. I just want to read this. So it says that when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Right? And, and other translations talk about a spirit of unity. They were together in one place. They went, like, do you like that? They were all together in one place. Like that's different to being all together and half the people were everywhere, some people were there and some people were here. No, they were all together. They were all in one place. There was an accord, right? And suddenly a sound like a mighty violent wind blowing from heaven, maybe like wings, right? And tongues spreading out like a fire appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other languages. The Spirit enabled them. And we know, if you know your Bible, this is the story where God empowers humans to carry His mission out into the world, right? Out from, from Judea into all of the world. By, from this band of people that were there. And I've often asked the question is, is, the people go into this upper room to pray. Jesus has ascended to heaven, that, and Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit gives you power, right? And, and Jesus said to them, in just a short time, the Holy Spirit's going to come, right? Some people even say in a few days, it translates to that. It's obviously not written in English, so you could, it means a few different things once you translate it. Right, just a few days, just a short time. Seven weeks later, right? And I wonder, was the timeline issue in heaven or on earth? Right? Is God waiting for us? 
Is God waiting for you to be in the right place at the right time? God's waiting for you to see the Lord in the middle of the chaos and go, wow, we need someone to go, and I wonder who could go. And you'll be like, is he talking about me? Right, this is, this is what God's doing. God's not static. He's not still. He's doing and moving, right? Um, I, I, there's a survey that, it's not science, it's not science. A survey, look out, you need to look out for these words, not study, survey, found that, the average person has about seven big regrets. And th- these are the most common ones. Are you ready? Worrying too much. Now think about this. Think about this. Top of the list, people's biggest re- I regret that I'm worried too much. Right? This is a, that's a very deep hole if you go, go down there, right? Because now I'm worried that I regret too much. Right? That's a scary, scary thought. Worrying too much. Number two, losing touch with old friends. It's a strange regret because you could call them. I've lost touch with them, right? Google, just Google them, right? I'm, I regret not saving money. Well, here's the weird thing. You can't save money in the past, right? You can only save money right now. I regret not exercising. I've had this, I've had this one. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm eating a cake. And I'm like, oh, I should have gone for a run today. But it's too late now. Like, it, the thing about regret is a lot of these things, like a lot of these things, you could turn them around like that, right? Not meeting up with friends more often. Ah, oh, I regret not meeting up with friends more often. Again, you could call them, right? Smoking, well, that's a different story altogether, right? But not seeing someone before they died. Now... Why is this not further up the list? <laughs> right, that's a tough one. That's a real tough, heavy feeling, right? But why is that not further up the list? Oh, I worry too much, right? Um, or taking life too seriously, number eight. I regret taking life too seriously. And number nine, not learning to play an instrument. These are the 10 people's biggest, uh, the people, the 10 biggest regrets in this survey, <laughs> not study, right? In the survey, right? But here's the, here's the thing that came out of the survey that I think is most interesting. They have seven big regrets and they spend about an hour each day thinking about them. Because we're not here, we're there. We're stuck in our regret. We're stuck in our shame. And when we're not here, when we're not present, We don't get to overhear the plans of God. We don't get to be in the right place at the right time to overhear the plans of God. The right place, right time. And the next point is that God is planning. God's moving, God's planning, God's doing. Once Isaiah finds himself in the throne room of God, he overhears that God's got a plan. It's amazing to me that Isaiah is qualified for the mission because of his vision. But the fact that he could see God and hear God allowed him to be in a position where he could not be selected, but he had the opportunity to just push in. Like, maybe God was going, uh, who could go for us? And Gabriel was about to say, Chris Tan, Chris Tan can go, right? But Isaiah's there, and he's just like, oh, I'll go. Here, I'm here. Chris Tan's not born yet, and he is, you know, it's going to be thousands of years before Chris Tan exists. I'll go now, right? 
have you ever, have you, I'm 45, so I'm now old enough to go to reflect. Oh, right, I can reflect. And I've, I've had 14 jobs in a few different industries, from furniture removal, Pizza Hut was my longest job for a long time. Until I had my job here at Equippers in Auckland, Pizza Hut was my longest place of employ. Uh, right, so I was a school teacher for an, uh, a number of years, a youth pastor here, uh, worked in the Bible college for a bit, been a pastor as well, and now I'm a talker. Um, on one occasion... I saw a job advertised, and I applied for the job, and I went to the interview, and they gave me the job. On all of the other occasions, <laughs> I literally was talking to a person, and they said, oh, we actually need more people at the pizza hut, or my cousin, actually, that pizza hut one was different. My cousin was the assistant manager, so he said, oh, are you, um, you going to need a part-time job uh, while you're at Teachers College? I said, yeah, I'm going to need a part-time job while I'm at Teachers College. And I was actually there eating at the all-you-can-eat buffet. And they, were, they must have seen me and thought, man, this guy knows about pizza, right? But he was there working. He said, oh, do you need a part-time job? Because now you're at Teachers College and you're not working in the other job. Actually, 15 jobs. I forgot the previous job. And I said, yeah, I need a part-time job. And so he put me on the roster that day. And then I got my little brother Sam a job there. And then we organized an interview for my little brother Jesse. He went to the interview. And the manager, not the assistant manager, the assistant manager was my cousin. The manager was another dude. He did the interview this time, right? So he did the interview and he came back to me and, and, and the manager, uh, the assistant manager, too many people in the story already. The, um, and he said... Oh, we can't hire that guy. And I was like, why not? And he said, we got up and walked out halfway through the interview. I hadn't finished asking questions, and he just walked off. And my cousin, who's the assistant manager, said, oh, it's too late. He's on the roster for next week. Right? So the reality is this. <laughs> the point of that story, which got sidetracked into the weeds a little bit, the point of that story is that every job I've had, including my first teaching job, just came up in conversation or someone said something about me. My first teaching job was at a conference and I had a name tag on. I didn't have a job yet. I applied for 70 teaching jobs and I got three emails back saying, no, you can't have the job. Nobody else even replied back. I didn't get any, any interviews, right? And then I was at this conference of teachers, and I was wearing my name tag, said Jordan Smith, and one of the women at the conference said, oh, you're Jordan Smith. I was talking to one of your tutors from Teachers College, and she said, I should hire you for our year seven class starting next year. This is like November. She said, oh, we'll put, we have to put an ad in the paper. I'll chuck out all those CVs. That's, that's where I realized where my 70 CVs had gone. Uh, we'll chuck out those ones, and we'll give you the job, but we'll have to fly you out for an interview anyway. So she just gave me the job because my name tag said Jordan Smith. Right, this is actually how life works. If you can be in the right place at the right time, things are being organized all around you. Things are set up for you to step into the very thing that you're made to do, the thing that you're, you're going to enjoy doing, the thing that you love. There's this famous parable that Jesus, that Jesus says, it's in Matthew 25, where he gives five talents to one person, three talents to another, and one talent to a third person. And they all get judged based on how they operated with the talent. And that was an amount of money in the story. But I love the language of it. It says, the master gave five talents to one servant, and he went immediately and began to trade. And then the person who got two talents went immediately and began to trade. And the person who got one buried it in the ground. 
which I think connects with this picture of regret, this picture of fear, this picture of, oh, it might eat me. I might make a mistake. I might get this wrong. And I wonder what it would look like as we move into the rest of 2022 if we stopped worrying about what might attack us and start thinking about what we can begin to attack. Are you with me? Making sense? I hope it's making sense, right? Um, We've got to be in the right place at the right time. We've got to recognize the fact that God's moving and doing. There's things to be done. There's an opportunity. And that if we can be in the right place at the right time, God can begin to organize around us. Rather than being trapped in our regrets, rather than being too focused on a grand future, we're focused in on what are we doing right now. The third idea I want to just bring out before we close is that what Isaiah says is so interesting. He says, here I am. So he locates himself. Then he says, send me and I'll go. It's really different to here I am. Look at how amazing I am. Why don't you endorse my new idea? I just don't know how that would go down in the throne room of heaven if you, if you started with your pitch deck and start pitching your new business idea to God, right? Or if you came into the throne room of God waving some sort of protest flag. Oh, we need to fight for this transformation. No, he, Isaiah doesn't fight for something. He doesn't pitch something. He just says, here I am. If you send me, I'll go. And there's a, there's a huge attitude difference in Isaiah's response to the God of heaven's armies than what we most often do. We most often look for good things to do and hope that God would bless us. The problem is that there's one million things you could be engaging with. And a lot of the things are going to take you off track from what your true destiny is. And when in, in a season like the season we're in, where there's this opportunity to think bigger, our big thoughts are actually going to be located in small spaces. I, I have a friend from, in Wellington, and he's one of the nicest people I know. One of my goals in life is to one day be one of the nice people. I've never been a nice person. You know, people say, oh, Jordan, he's a great communicator. Oh, Jordan, he makes great jokes. Uh, Jordan, he's a bit clumsy, with, you know, right, right. But no one ever says, Jordan, he's such a warm-hearted, generous, kind guy, right? One day someone will say that uh, non-ironically, but my friend is a warm-hearted, generous, kind guy. And he was so keen to do something to reach out in his neighborhood in, in Wellington. And he, he's got this heart for people. You know, he'd previously been a, a drug and alcohol counselor. He's worked with homeless people in cities all around the world. And he's living in suburba, suburban Wellington. He's, he's just a guy with a heart for other people. You know, so you, you could put a billboard up and invite people to church. You could... You could, you could start some sort of protest against some sort of evil law. But what he did that was awesome is he put his barbecue by the fence on Halloween and gave every kid and parent who walked past on Halloween night a sausage and bread. Because he, that's where he was. 
He was right there. He's in that suburb. It's Halloween. Put your barbecue by the, get buy a bunch of pre-cooked sausages and turn them around, hand them out and give something into that space. So when we think about the opportunities to attack in the world, that's it. It's stuff like that. It's not necessarily just start a business, push out. Come on, what's something that you could do right here? Micah 6, 8 says that he's told you what to do. He's told you what is good. What the Lord really wants from you is He wants you to carry out justice, love faithfulness, and live obediently before God. Carrying out justice is really different than fighting for it. Fighting for someone else to do justice is judgmental. And it might be the right thing God's called you to do, right? You might be William Wilberforce. But most of the time when we're writing an angry tweet or we're saying something about rich white people who own all the houses, someone, someone laughed. Mostly what you're doing is just being grumpy. Act justly. That's about what you do in your sphere. Carry out justice. Love faithfulness. You know, if we have a quest for cosmic justice, we'll never do the justice that's right in front of us. We'll never do the right thing right here. If we spend all of our energy fighting for some sort of, the whole world needs to be fair. That would be lovely. But in the, in the meantime, could you just give some family walking past a sausage and bread? Because maybe giving families that walk past a sausage and bread, maybe that's not making the whole world right, but maybe it's making someone's world right. Maybe someone goes, oh, this is not such a bad neighborhood. Maybe I feel more comfortable about the people around me. Come on, we can be robbed by a big cosmic vision because we're not thinking, we're thinking big, but we're not thinking big enough about little things. We're not thinking, we're thinking just big thoughts rather than big actions. What's the big thing I can actually embody in the world? What can I actually do? And I can't give you examples and examples and examples because there might be five or six people watching. There might be five or six hundred people watching. There might be even more than that watching. And for each of you, the job is to get in the right place at the right time. Hear what God is planning around you. What's God organized around you? Imagine if I decided the plan from God for me would to be, be the worship leader at a church. Well, that's not what God planned around me. He didn't give me the vocal cords for it. He didn't give me the timing for it. Right? That's a silly example, but sometimes we're trapped in our past and we're not in the right place. We don't hear what God's planning around us or we get distracted by grandiosity rather than thinking, okay, here I am. What can I do in the world? You know, Wherever you're sitting, whoever you're with, whether you're by yourself in a small group or even with a, with a big crowd, I saw some photos on online this afternoon from this morning. Some pretty, pretty big groups in people's houses, obviously within the rules, I'm sure. But wherever you are, maybe just close your eyes for a minute. And maybe I want, I want you to make a fist with each hand. And... With your right hand, I want you to open it up and just in your heart say, I'm letting go of my regrets. And 
with your left hand, as you open it up, I'd just like you to say, I'm letting go of my grand plan. Now you've got both your hands open and your eyes closed. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray for everyone listening to my voice. I thank you that as I'm talking, you're working. And Lord, I pray for each of us, whatever our personalities, whatever our gifts, whatever our opportunities, life presents us. Lord, I pray through this series of of going big, through 2022 as things break up and open up and the world changes, allow us to hear the plan that you've been planning, the things that you've been organizing around us. Lord, you've led us this far by your grace. You've led us by fire and cloud. Lord, you'll bring us into promise. Lord, I pray for each person who's feeling doubt, feeling fear. Lord, I pray and I declare even, I say it, just these words, that you will bring us into promise. He will bring me into promise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.